0: So Mike's gonna deal with the very, the very first question. So go ahead, Mike.
1: And now that we've shaken all the, the rules out, the very first uh, topic we're gonna to discuss today has uh, no biblical no or doctrinal foundation whatsoever. So.
0: <laughs> but it's a question that was
1: asked, so. It was, it, yeah. and it's a very important question. Uh, the question is, uh, when will we be getting a building? And uh, that's a good question. But it's it's not uh, not one that that is generally uh, pertinent to where we're at right now. One of the things that um, we we've determined in our that as part of our core values is a, a church family, a New Generations Church, is that we uh, do things in uh, correct order and do things properly and, and do things with some kind of schedule and plan in mind uh, that has. Been founded in the biblical principles, and you know the first the first thing that we do with respect to uh, uh, answering the question of when are we going to get a building is well, you, you know, you need money to buy a building, um, you need money to rent a building. What what we do on a weekly basis uh, has has regular expenses and so forth, and so as being good stewards of that, um, we we as a church um, believe in the uh, I first heard referred to as the 10-10-80 principle. And we've kind of taken it a little farther. It's a 10, 10, 35, 45 principle. And effectively, that means that the first 10% of the tithes that we receive as a church family, uh, we tithe them, And we, we send that out uh, to uh, encourage other church planters and, and make sure that we give that first 10% back to God and dedicate it for that use. The, the second 10%, um, we are faithfully put into a savings plan. Um, you know, it rains, it pours. <laughs> you know, we, we can't, as a family, ever find ourselves in a position financially that, that if there's a, a need or, or something that's really pressing, we don't have a, a cushion or some kind of financial uh, uh, backbone to lean against uh, should, should we need it. Um, Then the other 35% of the income that's received uh, through tithes and offerings uh, pays for the salaries of the the people that work for uh, our church family, and and right now that's a very, very short list. (laughs) Uh, And then the last 45% uh, is set aside for uh, opportunities, administration, things like that. Uh, the day-to-day cost of living, you know, the bulletins have to be printed, uh, worship guides. We have rent to pay to the Plymouth Camp schools. They like to get that check every month. And, uh, you know, the various sundries that it takes to, um, for duplication and, you know, coffee and all the good stuff that we're, we're accustomed to. So, and in doing that, um, you know, we've established a foundation for growing our finances as a church. And then in the, in the, the bylaws and I shouldn't say bylaws, but in our core values, we've predetermined that uh, when God leads us to a building, uh, that we're going to have the money on hand uh, to to put a significant down payment on it. And and, and matter of fact, 35% is the the number that we've earmarked. And uh, you know, and and until we grow to that point, that's uh, this is part of. Process, this is where we're going we're to stay. Um, Pastor Ken's looked at um, several buildings. Uh, I actually got a chance to see a couple of them um, with him. And, you know, the fun part of that whole process is, you know, as you, as you go into empty buildings and so forth, you get to dream a little bit. And for, for me personally, it's great because I, I get to hear his heart and, and kind of witness some of the vision as he, as he looks and, and evaluates different buildings as to what he envisions for us. Um, But, you know, in the conversations that we have had about those experiences afterward, um, we keep coming back to the fact that it's really been a blessing that God's called us to to be a church plant.
0: Um, Right.
1: There there are a lot of benefits that um, none of us really Uh get understood about the value of being portable, the fact that, you know, we have small groups in people's homes that, you know, a lot of the meetings that we have, the administrative meetings and stuff, um, have to take place in coffee shops and restaurants and things like that. And the God moments that have happened through that and the, the, the witness to the nature of who Christ is, uh, is just a real powerful thing to see. So we, we've we determined as, as we've gone forward, what, about a year and a half mm-hmm. now, yep. that that's really part of our DNA. And yep. so. Uh, When when God brings us to a a point where it's time, uh, we'll know it. And uh, it's something that's part of the plan, but it's not in the foreseeable future yet. Yep.
0: Awesome. You get
1: the next one. I'm glad I don't have this one. Well,
0: this question was answered or asked, so um, we wanted to um, address it. But the question was, is it okay to have plastic surgery? Well, the Bible doesn't direct deal and answer, you know, that question. There's not a scripture for it. But, um, I think a couple things that we can look at is what what is our motives for it? I think when our motives are maybe to enhance our body features to draw attention or for attraction to others, then that might not be the best motive and best reason. Um, I also think that if you're doing it to make your body what you would consider more more improved, um, that you're finding your self-worth and your identity in what your body looks like, then I think also then that's not a good good reason to have it. But there are lots of reasons why it's okay. You know, sometimes um, plastic surgery needs to be done because of um, maybe a mastectomy or, you know, defects or burns, or sometimes it might be just because whatever is sagging might be in the way of, you know, of your normal functioning during the week. Um, So then I think that's okay, too. Uh, It's it's kind of funny, but, you know, now that, I won't tell you how old I am, but over the last several years, all of a sudden I'm noticing, man, my eyelids aren't are not as, like, perky as they used to be. Now they're kind of sitting on top of each other. And I was like, when did that happen, you know? So, I mean, obviously, there's reasons when you can have plastic surgery. But I think you just need to check your heart, check your motives, make sure you're not doing it for, you know, to, like I said, find your self-worth or identity in there. Um, there is a scripture I want to give you about that. It's in First Peter 3, 4. It says your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be of your inner self. You know, God looks on our heart. He's not looking at the outside of us. So that answers that. Next.
1: Uh, <laughs> gravity, gravity is a terrible thing. It?
0: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, the, next, the next question. The question um, involves kind of a, a bit of a hot topic, and, um, you know, I, I guess we're, we're just going to roll into it. Uh, the, the, apparently my uh, my thing today is on finances, but uh, people want to know what's up with tithing. Tithing doesn't show up in the New Testament, so why as a New Testament believer should we tithe? Um, very good question. Uh, it, it's one that gets... Um, debated and tossed around quite a bit, uh, and, and so much so that um, Pastor actually led a small group uh, on, on the subject called the Blessed Life uh, during the last semester small groups, uh, which was very, very helpful. I, there were about 25 of us or so that were part of that group that I think really found it helpful and enlightening. Um, but the um, the definition of the word tithe, you know, be, that, that word's kind of funny. It, it doesn't fit in our English language. We don't, we don't hear it aside from traveling in church circles, and so it's, it's a little, it's a little spooky, a little mystic, and, and people really don't know what it means. But, but tithe is simply uh, means one tenth, um, and, and the, the issue of the tithe with respect to what it is or how it affects us is that the God God is looking for us to honor him with the first tenth of our income. That's that's what a tithe is, and that's what it's been represented in, in the Old Testament. Um, so, as a matter of fact, we've got a scripture um, in uh, Malachi 3, 8 through 11, uh, in, in the Old Testament, where, where it talks about the importance of tithing. And I've got a couple of points that I want to make, from this scripture that might help us all understand a little more about why it's important as is, is new testament believers to continue to tithe but it, it says uh, will a mere mortal rob god yet you rob me and this is god talking but you ask how are how are we robbing you uh, in tithes and offerings you are under a curse your whole nation because you are robbing me bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there is not room enough for you to store it. And you know that's that's really powerful, and, and it's it, it's kind of a, a big topic. There was a lot a lot of information in that scripture. Um, but if we understand what it's about, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. We already know that a tithe is 10%, and it's the first 10, okay? Um, and we're supposed to bring it to the storehouse. Well, what's the storehouse? The storehouse is our church family. Um, it, you know, it's, it's the thing that, that pays the bills here and kind of keeps us solvent as, as, a, as a group. Um, and, and the whole subject of cursing is, is the thing, I think, that gets a lot of us a, a little bit sideways. But, you know, you have to remember and, and reflect in your heart the nature and personality of who God is. Uh, you know, God, God's about mercy and grace. Those of us that, that walk with him and, and have experienced that grace understand the longer we do it uh, how deep that grace really is and, and how interested... He is in in caring for us, and he always provides a way for us to get out of trouble, whether we get there by birth, whether we get there by circumstances, or we do stuff that we go, oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. He always provides a way through that relationship with Christ to to provide grace to us. So if, if we start thinking on the subject of tithing from that basis, then the rest of this verse from Malachi makes sense um, we are as natural people born under the curse of Adam it's, it's called natural sin and if you've not heard about it, it's it's not a complicated subject it basically means as human beings we're, we're not whole without God it's just a real simple uh, simple equation well, it stands to reason that, that if, if we by our human nature, Aren't perfect, then then the things that we're about don't start off perfectly as well. And because our our, uh, method of living and our prosperity is so tied into our ability to make a living and earn money and so forth, God's offered not only a way for us to redeem our spirits, but to redeem our money. Our money's cursed just like everything else from this world. And so uh, the whole subject of, of the tithe is that as is, is, is we, com, is, is we commit the 10% to God by by bringing our tithes into the storehouse, God is, is then able by our action to remove the curse from the rest of our finances. And so suddenly, you know, because you've committed to that as a household, as an individual, a family, what, what have you, um, your money goes a little bit farther, you know. You, you stumble into Kohl's or Meyer or Kroger or whatever, and there's sales and there's favor on everything that you do with your money, and, and it's um, it's important. You know, we God has the grace and the love for us that, that He doesn't want any part of our lives to be covered in in, in a curse. So that's that's the whole exercise. Um, We commit the first 10% to God in honor of God, and then he releases the curse that the the natural circumstances of the earth and in our life uh, make us subject to. It's another way for him to provide freedom for us in something that's really important, like our finances. Uh, people get hung up, you know, well, wow, I work for it, you know, I, I should be able to do with it what I want, and, you know, if I take that 10% and I I give it to the Red Cross or I put it here and I put it there to help other people, that's that's great, but that's an offering. That's not a tithe, because that has everything to do with what our motive is and nothing to do necessarily directly with God's motive. And and so the action, again, is, is about removing the curse from our personal finances so that we're free to have more uh, spendable income, if you would, to, to convert to offerings to be a blessing to other people. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of a, you know, God's, God's pretty straight up. It's kind of a one, two, three thing. And then I just wanted to point you to uh, our resource um, table. The teaching that Pastor did the... Uh, Small group from *The Blessed Life*, written by Robert Morris, and, and I have to tell you, um, I thought I understood the whole process of the tithing and, and and how you know how to get God to bless your money and and, and you know your business and all that. But I got to tell you that the revelation that, that God's given uh, the body of Christ through this book is second to none. Pick it up. I, I I very strongly recommend it. It it answers. This question, and it really kind of makes it in plain English, uh, a, a pretty complicated subject, very simple. Uh-huh. Um, and, and again, you know, it, it's it's about what's in our heart. And, and that, that's all God's looking to do, is, is to get our hearts bent toward Him. Right. Uh, we talk about it in our growth track. Uh, you know, I, again, if you want to know where we stand as a church family and, and what our core values are surrounding the subject, Highly recommend that you get involved with GroveTrack. It's it's a it's a hugely wonderful resource uh, that, that gets questions answered. And then you know, as you're mulling it over and you have more questions, there are people that are able to help you ferret those those answers out. And the whole thing is about freedom in Christ. You know, information makes us free, mm-hmm. and God wants us to have it. So that's, that's good. It. That's, that's where right I at. at. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I'm
0: going to answer. To the next question, and um, this was a question that was uh, the most asked question. It all had to do, the most questions that we received was on forgiveness. And it all had to do with forgiveness. Um, one was, is unforgiveness a hindrance to entering heaven? That was one question. When you forgive someone, do you have to tell them? And also, how can I forgive the person or people who have hurt me and caused me such pain and heartache? And why should I forgive the person who hurt me so bad and extremely bad? So um, let's, there's a couple I'm gonna answer fairly quickly and then I'm gonna get into a couple of them that are a little bit more involved. Um, But I don't, I believe that, you know, God knows our heart, but I don't believe that you actually need to go and tell someone that you've forgiven them. Um, You know, that's just something that you need to do within your own heart. And um, especially, a lot of times, you might go up to somebody and say, well, I forgive you because you did this and this to me, and they might not even have a clue what you're talking about. You know, sometimes it's just us that have the problem with it, and they didn't even know they did something. Um, Forgiving yourselves ourselves and others is a decision that we do have the power to to make. We can muster that forgiveness up inside of us and forgive others. Um, You know, a lot of times people might think, well, if if I forgive somebody, I might, I have to feel really good about it, or it's a warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, 99.9 of the time it's not a warm fuzzy feeling when you decide to forgive. Um, it's also not saying that what they did was okay. Just because you forgive them doesn't mean that you're, you're saying well what they did was okay. No, it's not okay what happened to you or what they did to you, but it's a way for you to let it go. Um, forgiveness is not about the other person, it's about you getting free and setting yourself free from the bondage and the things that um, unforgiveness does inside of us. Um, It's also not denying the hurt that you carry from it. You know, it might take you a lot of time to get over the hurt that was done. So it's not about denying that hurt. And it's not about just immediately restoring the relationship back. Just because you forgive them doesn't mean that you necessarily are going to Um, Start a relationship with them. You might never talk or see that person again Um, So that's something to remember Will unforgiveness hinder my entrance to heaven? Well, God's the only one that knows our heart but I know from Experience and I I know you can all probably relate to this that when if you harbor um, unforgiveness It grows roots. It takes root. It's bitter roots. And the more you think about it, the more you stew about it, the more you rehearse it over and over in your mind, it just becomes like a cancer that just um, won't let go, and it can just get worse and worse as time goes on. Um, It won't. It won't allow you to have a healthy spiritual life, and it won't allow you to have a healthy emotional life. So we need to. Remember those things when you're thinking about that. Um, a couple of scriptures I wanted to give you about forgiveness. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Okay? So that's a reason why we should forgive because we've been forgiven when we receive Jesus into our heart and ask him to forgive us. Um, Colossians 3 13 is another scripture is bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the Lord forgave you so those are a couple scriptures Um, I want to take the next couple minutes um, to actually give you some steps that you can take to actually forgive somebody because sometimes you might think well You know, what do I do? How do I forgive somebody? You know, it's so, you know, right there in my mind and my heart. Um, I'm going to take you through an actual process that you can do to actually forgive somebody. Um, In the Bible, there's a Greek word that I want to take a look at. And I think it's going to come up on the screen. It's the word aphemi, aphemi. And it's pronounced a-phemi, just like that, just like I said so when we're talking about um a, a theme, it means to send away or to set free so think about that definition when you're thinking about um, forgiving sins okay to send away or to set free um, i want to take a look at um, well in the i shouldn't say take, take a look at because i don't have the scripture for you but in the old testament in the book of leviticus So write that down, Leviticus 16, and look it up later. But there is a powerful story in that book. It's a story of the scapegoat. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But God told Moses that on the Day of Atonement, a scapegoat was to be chosen. On the Day of Atonement, it was a Jewish um, holiday. And it wasn't a big feast and fun time. It was a time that the Jewish people came together and they repented of their sins it was a cleaning it was like spring cleaning um, time and um, so in fact it was they still celebrate it today it's Yom Kippur Um, so it's still you know practiced even to this day Um, so a scapegoat was to be chosen and this meant a goat was chosen by casting lots and then the goat was brought to Aaron Who was the high priest and Aaron what Aaron's job as the high priest was to take the live goat lay his hands on the goat and confess over the goat all the sins of the Israel people the Israelites and um, all their wickedness their rebellion their sins so he took and he confessed that's how they got forgiveness of sins back in the Old Testament and he confessed all those sins on the goat and then what they did they took the goat and they carried it to a solitary place out in the desert and they released it okay think about it get a picture in your mind as i'm talking all the sins of the people were on that goat and they they took it and they let it go out in the desert carrying with it the goat carried with it all the sins all the people's sins with it, okay? So, afimi, afimi, to set free or to, um, I just forgot, to set free or to send away. So, the goat was afimi. Okay, so once we understand this, that principle, it will really help us to forgive. So, even though in the Old Testament, you know, we don't don't, uh, lay hands on goats and confess our sins and stuff, but in the New Testament, think about it, Jesus was is our scapegoat. Okay? So when we go to Jesus, we confess our sins. He takes our sins and he forgives us and the Bible says as far as from the east is to the west, he forgives us and forgets our sins. So he took upon himself our sins and forgiven us. So so a practical way of forgiving others is to do the same thing. So we have to do the same thing with the wrongs and hurts that people have done to us, okay? So we can forgive them, you know, if we harbor and carry all these hurts and pains inside of us, we need to confess those things that are inside of us onto the scapegoat, okay? So it might sound kind of silly, but I've actually, Taking a piece of paper, and uh, okay, I'll say I'll just have two things on my list for this week. (laughs) Um, And I'll just say, hopefully, um, I'll say John. Okay, John, um, Lord, I'm just bringing John before you. John really hurt me. He stole money from me, and I'm very crushed about it. Lord, I just, I lay John on the scapegoat. I confess, and I lay that hurt and pain. That John caused me, and I place it on the scapegoat. Um, so I forgive him. I lay it on the scapegoat, and so then um, the sins then have the things that you're con- the things that you're confessing that have been done wrong to you. You're speaking those things on the scapegoat. I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but I'm trying to get my thoughts, um, and then. Though, those sins and hurts have somewhere to go you see what i mean like you're harboring them inside and, the, and it's just painful and hurtful but when you speak it and you confess it and you place those hurts and wrongs that people have done to you on the scapegoat then you you have somewhere for the sins to go okay you're not holding on to them anymore so um let me just flip over here um So it makes a huge difference because not only the Holy Spirit will lift away the imprint that those sins that have been done wrong to you away from um, that have been done wrong to you from your heart, the Holy Spirit will lift those away from your heart as you pray, but the sins and the hurts actually have somewhere to go and you don't have to keep them inside any longer. So you're sending the wrongs that have been done to you Away from you and onto the scapegoat. So I hope that's helpful for you. That was like a huge, like thing for me because it was like, you know, where do you go with them? You know, and you can actually speak it and say it and lay it on there, and it actually has somewhere to go. Um, you know, every once in a while, that old feeling might come back and um, remind you how so and so did you wrong and this and that and the other. But all you have to do is say, nope, afimi, afimi. I've sent it away, and I'm set free from that. So you just tell the enemy and the devil, nope, I'm not. You know, I sent that away. I sent that away. So I hope that's helpful for you. That's great. That's good.
1: Well, the uh, the last question uh, for this morning. I think Pastor Kent left me the, the easiest one
0: on
1: <laughs> uh, being sarcastic. Um, can I lose my salvation? Um, that's a really hotly debated subject, depending on the circles that you travel in. Um, and uh, interestingly, <laughs> um, it's probably been debated for longer than most of us have been alive. It's a it's a very um, uh, pointed subject, and, and I guess I, I I guess here again it's it's back to it's back to where our hearts are at. Um, you know, some people believe that um, once you're saved, you're always saved. Um, other other persuasions think that well, you know, once you're saved, God's kind of given you a Ticket, but if you goof up, you can take the ticket back, and you got to earn it back again. Um, Some some groups of people and some persuasions think you got to work really hard to keep it. Um, You know, if if you don't, if you're not earning it every day, then you know at some point it expires, and you're just out of luck, and you're back in the same situation you were in before. Um, And so. You know, this this is one of of those things that, um, because because it's a heart thing, uh, it isn't isn't really um, dealt with directly the way we would want it to be dealt with in in the Word. Uh, And and what the Bible Bible tells us about it has more to do with the condition of our heart than it really does about the prescription for, for the things that we're supposed to do to keep it. Uh, so, so from from our perspective, um, and, and this is something that, that Pastor Ken has talked to us about, uh, I, he and I have talked about it privately. It, it, you know, we're, we're both kind of, um, we, we, we occasionally get together with a cup of coffee and just debate some of these things and you know, just to kind of figure out where, where the disconnect is for, for some people. Um, but from from Pastor Ken's position and, and what we believe as a, as a church family is, it's it's not a bad question, but it's not the right question. Um, it, you know, it, it's not it's not about it's not about anything that, that we've earned or we can win or anything like that. It, it's about receiving grace and mercy from Christ. You know, it, it it's it's it's. Effectively, have, have, it, have I in my heart acknowledged and received the fact that I'm hopelessly um, lost without a touch from Jesus? And, and that, without that touch from Jesus and that mercy and grace that I receive through that relationship, uh, I, I can't be saved. Um, so so what, once you go there, it, it, it's really... Um, it, it really points to, to the question as being more legalistic than, than anything else, and, and legal legalism is, is kind of founded in religion, and uh, it, and and it's it's really uh, about, uh, and this is my opinion. I got to be real clear about this. Uh, it's really it's really about. Um, what, what it is religion says about God and how can we best define God so that I feel okay about the fact that um, you know I really haven't completely given my heart over to him um, but but I want a license to feel like I'm okay right. and, and that, that you know that's really a dangerous thing because you know as as, as we, we work out our, our salvation daily with fear and trembling you know God God's indicated through his word this is this is a process, you know. We receive we receive salvation, but it you know it doesn't necessarily make sense to us at the time that we receive it. We just know, oh, you know, the load's lifted. Well, from there, God God is so awesome in the way that He loves us. As as we walk forward and learn more about Him, we find out why it is He wants to, to show grace to us. And so it's really less less about can we lose it, um, but how much do we know about it? Right. Uh, and, and so uh, the the great thing about that relationship is that the the further we go with God, that the more He reveals, and the more we have to be grateful about. It. And if we if we are slow walkers, then we get it slower. And some people run headlong into it, and they get it more quickly. It's it's not a it's not a contest. Right. So, so much as it is a conversion of of the heart. Um, so you know, if 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 you really view it straight up, um, when we receive salvation, we acknowledge the fact that Christ died for us, and He covered, or effectively, like the scapegoat, uh, took all of our sins on Him. And it's not it's not most of them. It's not some of them. It's not the ones that happened before last Tuesday. It's all of them. Every last one of them. That means the ones that, that we committed back before we knew who he was, the ones, the ones that we commit on a daily basis from things that we you know, we, we try not to do, we do them anyway, you know, things that we omit to do that we know better, and then things that we haven't even dreamed of yet or things that we haven't tripped over or stumbled over yet. He covered all those things. Right. So, you know, the, the really the the important thing, um, if we look at Galatians 5:4, it, it's really it's really easy to see it from the other side. Um, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Uh, it's, okay. it's it's really it's really easier to see it from the other side. You know, we we are saved by the grace that God freely offered us. And if we want to, I guess if we want to go back and try and earn it, it's okay. But it really is a waste of energy. Um, because, I, and again, my opinion, this, and I think this is what we, we believe as a church family, you know, God, God loves us. There's nothing we can do uh, that will change that. And there's nothing about us that God doesn't already know. And the, the, the reason that we're acceptable and presentable to Father God is the act of Christ Jesus and the blood that he shed for us to cover us. Right. It's just that simple. And, and, you know, religion makes it more complicated than it is. Right. And that, so I'm not sure if I directly answered the question, um, but, but I, I, think, I think the point is it's not really a question we need to ask. We're, we just need to celebrate grace. And just uh, need, okay, we okay, just okay. need to receive it, enjoy it, and, and I, I think I think at the heart of, of our church family is the share. Yep. Just extend it. It speaks to what Patty was talking about with respect to forgiveness. It's it, it's really the, the nature of who Jesus is. Uh, his love and grace. That's good. Awesome. Is that it? That's it. Okay, we're yeah. done.